Welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We're turning dreamers into doers. If you're ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. Hello, hearts. Welcome to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. And I am so honored to introduce to you guys Simona Spark. When I say dreamer into doer, I, you guys, I'm going to give you the informal, the messy introduction first, because I am just too excited about Simona. Um, read her book, Raising My Voice, The Memoir of an Immigrant. And when we talk about dreaming to doing, like, we think we got it tough. We think we're trying hard. We think we have barriers and obstacles. This woman has overcome so much. And Simona, I'm so excited to have you here to share some of your story. But just to kick this off the right way, Simona is the CEO and founder of Spark Transformation Academy. She's also the host of Redefined Family in the Modern Age of LGBTQ podcast. You guys, she has a TED Talk. We're going to talk about that. But she's also the author of No More Messy Kids from 2018, and now Raising My Voice, the memoir of an immigrant here in 2021. So she is up to so much. She advocates. She um, is out there. She's doing the thing. She's also, she's an immigrant. So you're going to hear her story. And Simona, without me telling too much about it because of my excitement and love of you, will you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Thank you, Abigail. Hi, everyone. Thank you, Abigail, for having me. And please do tell. You know my story. (laughs) Um, I know, but sometimes I can like tell the whole thing and then like forget I have a guest. So, (laughs) but yes, tell us like, um, you know, I do know your story and it's, and it's brilliant. And I almost like, don't even know where to ask you to start. So start wherever you feel inspired. Well, thank you uh, for this beautiful introduction, which uh, I thank you for it. Uh, I feel inspired to start from, um, you know, just making the decision of moving to United States in my early 30s, because uh, we talk about, you know, the memoir of an immigrant um, is when uh, my immigrant uh, journey started, because uh, from there, six or seven years later, I moved to New Zealand, and that was another layer of being an immigrant into a new culture, into a different part of the world, and then now moving back to United States. And what's interesting about it is we go through all these layers of culture shock, right? And then when when we went through it, at least my experience, it was that, oh, okay, now I haven't figured it out, like, you know, four or five years in. And then when I moved to a new country, uh, I thought, like, I, I already know how to do this. I, I played this game before, right? It was not. <laughs> yes. It was totally different. And even so, it was really surprising to me now moving back to United States. Like, wait a minute, I'm a U.S. citizen. I, I know how things are working here. And it's still, it's another layer of, uh, you know, adjusting and calibrating to to this culture now, because 2020, uh, when I moved back, it looks totally different than it was in 2009 when I first moved. So I don't know if this answer your question, but. <laughs> yeah, well, you said something really important about culture shock, right? Um, you know, here as an, as an American, as a born American, moving from like the Midwest to California, I would call 
a culture shock, but it's like, it's not, it, it is and it isn't. And like, you are moving across whole countries, across whole oceans, experiencing culture shock. And so I wonder what the difference, because you've lived in a few different states and in, in the United States, and then you've also lived in different countries. So, um, you know, share your experience about like moving from different, you know, cause you talk about what it was like to move to New Zealand. And then, but you, you also talk about what it was like to live in Romania. And, and I think I would love to ask you to start there. Like, give us the world that you came from, because I don't think any of us have really had that kind of experience. And you know what? I can't say that because we definitely have international listeners who probably come from all sorts of backgrounds, but you come from a communist country until the age of 13. So what was that like? And, and how does that influence who you are today? Thank you for asking that. I, I think it's important and not necessarily from, uh, you know, the perspective, let's remember where we are coming from mm. uh, as much as like really understanding um, the, the root of a person that we are, you know, engaging in a conversation with. Mm-hmm. And uh, while I'm here on a mission to break all the labels, this this is very important to me of not putting that person, you know, like even the immigrant, Uh, It feels like a label. And um, we hear a little bit of stories about that immigrant, that immigrant, and now we meet another immigrant and we already box them into whatever we learned so far. And it's not. Everybody's story is so unique and it's so, um, uh, you know, private and personal. Mm -hmm. So growing up in Romania, uh, not a lot of people know what Romania is, but I like to say, you know, I'm from Transylvania because then a lot of people would know that is. And if I say that I was born two hours away from Dracula Castle, now I got everybody's attention. <laughs> so um, uh, back then, you know, was the communism um, regime. And um, I also, most of my childhood, I, I live in a country. So it was kind of primitive. No hot water, a schedule electricity, a schedule TV time, like, pretty much a couple hours in the evening, just propaganda of our president. And then um, my happy moment as a child was a Saturday, 1 p.m., Tom and Jerry. So that was the only entertainment that I have, right? Um, and poorly translated, by the way. <laughs> uh, but what that ended up really contributing to who I used to be as an adult, like how that show up in my adult life, uh, was this really messed up belief system. The main one that I identified just through my healing work was uh, the fear of speaking up. And it has so many layers to it. Not only that, you know, I was not growing up into a family when I was uh, encouraged to have a voice, like for, uh, quite the opposite. Yeah. Uh, but also as the youngest of three, the little one doesn't have to have an opinion. She's too little to know anything. And then uh, you in this regime where uh, people were literally afraid to challenge any rules or to speak up for themselves because they'll be, you know, locked up or or even killed. So um, spoken or unspoken, uh, I grow up with this just knowing in my bones that if I say what I think or feel, I'm taking a very big risk. 
Yeah. It's so profound to me because here you are with a book called Raising My Voice, like speaking up and shouting out. And so like, how did you go from that, that upbringing to a TED talk, to two books, to uh, an academy? Um, you're a $10,000 winner of, of a speech. Like there's all these different speaking uh, accolades that you have. What shifted? How did that happen? I'll be uh, saying something that I recognized to one of my master group uh, the other day. I think in so, on some um, subconscious level, I got to this collecting those evidences of what's possible. And I'm saying that like in a very humble way was it was not even uh, like most of the things that I accomplished up until not too long ago was not I was not even driven from a very healthy space. I was driven by this uh, messed up force of I'm just going to prove people that I could do it and that I'm capable and I'm going to prove myself that I'm able. And, uh, you know, motivation, it's coming, you know, um, it's hidden under so many different type of masks. And, and that was mine. And it took, uh, it still is, you know, a lot of healing and uh, a lot of introspecting and uh, all of it to to shift that to um, having my driven force being more, um, or my action more mission driven, which I'm at now and I'm very grateful for it. What changed, I think it was going through whatever challenges that I created in my life and just learning from it to the point that, you know, as I shared in my book, uh, I don't see any challenge anymore today. It's, It's just an event. Yeah. Uh, and I trust myself that whatever life threw at me and, and we label as challenge or hard time because that's what we learn. I'm just looking at it like, OK, this is uncomfortable. I could feel it in my body. I'm totally calibrating to this new messed up that's in my life. Mm-hmm. And, and what I know and what really excites me in, in, in the midst of all is that there's where I'm going to find some new skills that I have that I didn't access, what I'm going to find a a new level of, you know, my personal potential, where I'm going to find new ways of doing life. And sometimes I feel at that extreme of like, I'm I'm looking for troubles, or they were saying, because that's where I'm growing, right? Yes. Yes. Well, and I hear you saying like the shift from thinking of a challenge as a challenge to a challenge as an opportunity. And so, you know, in, and in your life, you've faced many challenges. And so what would you say, what sort of opportunities have been born out of all these challenges you've overcome? What I believe is that what we see that the challenge is, the opportunity is the opposite of what we experience. So ending up into abusive relationship the opportunity was for me to stand up in my power and speak up for myself. Apologizing and being um, living in this belief that I cannot be successful because English is my second language. Mm. The opportunity was giving my first public talk as a, on a TEDx stage. Yeah. So, and the list could go on and on and on. But I'm sharing that just with the intention, you know, for your audience is really the, 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 the deepest challenge or whatever we fear the most. It's actually exactly the, the, the gift mm-hmm. that is hidden into that challenge. Mm-hmm. 
And um, yeah, if I look at any challenge in my life, this is exactly what I'm extracting from every challenge. What I was afraid of, that was the thing that was the magic in it. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned English as a second language. You mentioned being in an abusive relationship. And it's like, you know, do you have any... I want to ask for like a tip. Like, do you have a tip for someone who might be in the in the storm of a challenge right now and how they could really grab onto like the uh, finding the opportunity or like what, you know, what worked for you to really start to shift that? Because I heard you say like, I, I often was trying to prove myself, but now I'm so much more mission driven, you know, guiding people through that. What would be a suggestion or a tip you might have for someone in the middle of their challenge? Yes. Look, I try many things and uh, I mainly hide, right? And most of us know that uh, especially uh, emotional abuse is very hard to fight back because, you know, it's happening behind the closed doors. But what I learned, what really helped me was when I decided to ask for support. Simple as that. Not easy, though, because when, uh, you know, if anyone is in a situation, and especially now that we are talking about abuse and, and emotional abuse, it's the last thing you want to do. And I just, you know, I can't stand the people, they are, you know, easy judge of like, why did you stay with him so long? <laughs> there is no uh, time frame. Some people get to leave at the first fight. Some people get to leave a year or 10 years later. Some people never get to leave. But it's coming down to the only way to leave is when you ask for support. Now, Support looks different for every person. It could be, for me, it was making that, uh, you know, 1-800 phone call to a emergency woman shelter. But for other people, it could be telling a friend. From other people, it could be just reading a book. <laughs> and end up of being a, um, a cumul of all, but where it started and which one is for you, you, you know best. Mm -hmm. So it's nobody to tell anyone like, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, yes, ask for support, but support could be in, you know, so many different ways. Yeah. I love that answer because if we could do it on our own, we'd have done it by now. You know, like yes. we, we, we try, we try, we try, we try and, and it doesn't work. And so I'm, I'm a huge advocate for professional support. I know you are too, in many, many ways. And, and I know you are that professional support for many people. So I'd love to shift the conversation because you have a chapter in your book called raising your voice. You help others raise their voice. And, and you also, you know, in the name of your podcast and you explain in the, and share in the book is that you really support like eliminating labels and, and judgment and discrimination and in many different ways, not just like immigrant, but also LGBTQ. And so share a little bit about how you help others raise their voice. Thank you for, for asking that. Uh, look, when I start this journey of tapping into what coaching is and mentorship is, you know, and like everybody else, I put myself to school and I get the first certificate and the second and the third and the seventh, and I'm going to be in school for the rest of my life. That's something that I accept. So from uh, doing all the work uh, and supporting, I probably could say that I, uh, you know, coach over 400 people so far and just in three years. 
But it's not about, you know, how many. It's about the conversation. It's about um, what is it that I learned from having a conversation with each individual. Mm-hmm. And while I was doing this work of, you know, helping people to step into their new identity and grow and personal growth and believe and upgrading belief and so on, all of them had one thing in common that it literally, uh, it, it's such a simple concept that it blow my mind away. Like, you know, we only see it when we're ready to see it. The only thing that held us back is our own story. And again, that is bubbling at the surface under, you know, limiting beliefs and, uh, you know, um, self, you know, doubt and trust and worth and all of it. But it really the story. So now, like in my practice, it really shifted things into looking into what is everyone's story and what is it that that it needed to be healed there. And of course, I only get to see that after I took myself to that process and just putting this book together was really a deep healing process Mm. of like, what story goes where? Why do we talk about this? Which one needed to be shared? And I've been triggered in so many different angles and layers that I couldn't even anticipate until in the process and and you were there with me to to see me how um, how that went. So yes, we could go in a technical like what is the belief, what do we replace it, how we upgrade it, and all that. But for everyone to understand, it's a language that everybody understands. It's like our past is what's holding us back. Yeah, our Amen. own story. That's it. It's just yeah. that simple. You know, I love the way you call it story because I remember even in writing my own books, each time I write my own book, it's such a healing journey. I feel myself like resolving something or exploring that memory in a new way and and really putting like a period at the end of the sentence or closing that chapter of my life. And and I just love it. And so like, I, I love that I work with a lot of aspiring authors and it's it's very predictable that you get to witness that healing journey through the process of writing the book. But you can't think about writing the book. You just have to write it. And you mentioned that. And I think it's so important to say for all of our people, because here on Hearts Unleashed, it's, it is about our story. It is about, um, I wrote it down as like what we tell ourselves, right? Like that story, not our actual like timeline of our life, but the, the narrative that we've made up about all of it. And I think that that's what's so important because the way that you were sharing it, I almost heard like a rebrand, like you help people rebrand themselves, but not maybe as to be a brand, but really just to relate themselves to themselves in a new way or even the next level is like to be proud of who they think they are and share and, that part of it go ahead and that's it that's it right there that's the essence because we talk about beliefs and identity and it doesn't matter if we if the work that people come into my space and say hey it, it doesn't matter if they say help me with I don't know uh, love my body and feel good in my body or um, um, accept my own sexuality or whatever it is right the root is the same is the same root the story that we tell ourselves and we believe it and now why do we believe that story because we heard it so many times throughout the years and the day one when we were born right so now. If that become a belief and we believe that story and we, it's already in us, mm-hmm. of course, if somebody's going to just slap a label on us, 
it already resonates. Our whole system recognizes that, right? So if I grow up with the belief that I'm not allowed to speak up or I'm not too smart to have an opinion or whatever, whatever, everything that went into that, when my abusive husband says, shut up, I shut up. Mm-hmm. I believe him mm-hmm. that I'm supposed to be quiet. Mm-hmm. And I can't even blame him, right? It's just like, oh, it's my belief. Mm-hmm. He's speaking directly with me. Yeah. So we always get to be right. Yes. I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful that you're sharing it because we are, we manifest these things inside, like, and you, you mentioned limiting beliefs and all of that is like, those run truer. Therefore they manifest more than like what we want to like, we might have these visions of success or like you were kind of sharing, like, or you've shared before is like, I could dream myself as a motivational speaker. I could see it, but there were still times where the limiting beliefs were stronger than the vision. When did that shift for you where the vision actually was more powerful than the limiting beliefs? Looking back, I think it starts shifting little by little from the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then life works in a way that there is some massive events that are happening. And I say events, meaning it could be a really messed up situation or it could be something that we label an amazing success. But it's so massive that it's kind of like shaking our whole system, like wake us up to see things, right? And it's just, it's covering so many different layers. But one thing for me was to realize that I'm living into a culture where the emphasis is on labels Mm -hmm. and, and I don't get to be myself. I always need to please others and be what other people tell me that I supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And the decision was like, do I want to raise my kid like this? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no. So I pack and leave, right? So that was a massive thing. Another massive thing was when, when my child came out. And while I was working with parents and really diving deeper into how to support these adults to, again, healing their own story, which I didn't know that that's what I was doing, but that's what I was doing, right? Mm-hmm. So they could show up for their children uh, to empower their children. And then when my son came out, I was like, okay. Uh, here I am. I'm just learning so many things about uh, uh, a totally um, a big part of this world. And I decided to go deeper in that specific uh, segment, right? And really, h- how would it be like if we raise our children uh, without the labels of gender or sexual orientation? And it will allow them to just be like little tiny humans. They grow up and, and we're going to find out who they are when, when they get there. so well was that work so um and I put time and I started interviewing people you know around the world and all that and that's how I end up on a TEDx stage and it really did not go by the rules of do a workshop do a hundred talks do another 300 and then maybe one day if you're lucky enough you're going to get to be on that stage I was invited like from nowhere and, and I say yes and then I freak out because like, oh my God, what I'm going to do with this, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. Even though I got there and that was a massive, in, uh, you know, event and uh, people around me would be like, oh my God, that's such an accomplishment. It's such a huge success and all that. In reality, I wasn't hiding with it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I still have parts of my being that were not healed. 
that didn't sit well, that I didn't want to be seen. And now here I am, the talk is there with all the mispronunciation and whatever went in it, it's out there for the whole world to see. And I just, I don't want anybody to know that exists. Like that, that was the approach, like got published in a year, I didn't talk anything about it, (laughs) right? So now when I, through my process of healing, I uncover like some deep trauma that I didn't even know that is there. Mm-hmm. That was another massive uh, event where it really blew in my in in, in I want to say in my face, but it was really in my in my soul that okay, the book that you always want to write, mm-hmm. this is the piece that you need to write about. I was going to ask you to share because you know it, I mean it's such a to me it's such an important piece that so many people can relate to and on whatever level that they do and and what I mean by that is you know I was just in a conversation last night with. I would think like 30 or 40 women. And we were talking about sexual trauma. And one of the women who was sexually traumatized, her daughter was, she was cooking in the kitchen, but she was on the call and her daughter was right there. And her daughter had been through the same thing. And the daughter Mm -hmm. spoke up on the call and she was, she was crying, but she was sharing through, she was speaking through her tears to say like, my trauma isn't as, bad. Like it wasn't the same circumstance as other people's, but I still feel this way. And so like, what I mean by that, you know, is like so many people can relate and it doesn't matter like what kind of trauma we've been through, but that it impacts us in our own, our own depth and our own way. And so I'd love to invite you to share a little bit about that because unfortunately too many people can relate. Yes. Thank you for speaking about it. I mean, that's that's what we need to do to, to speak up and speak out. Yeah. And I personally don't believe in small trauma, big trauma, yeah. ugly trauma, pre trauma. It's trauma. And as you said, um, whatever happened that traumatized us, that it, it the two things, first of all, change us for life. Yeah. And, and second, the layers of emotions that we are going through are the same. Yes. Now, if we talk about sexual trauma, it doesn't even matter if it's human trafficking, if it's rape, if it's molestation, it's sexual trauma. The victim, which I absolutely hate to use that word, mm-hmm. uh, is it go, goes through the same layers of emotion. And I'm not a psychologist or a mm-hmm. specialist by any means, but just as a subject of such a trauma and uh, talking with so many others, uh, women and men, mm-hmm. um, about uh, what was their experience. Mm-hmm. The emotions are the same. Uh, I'm not worthy. He or she has the right to do so. I supposed to be here. Uh, we see that a lot in marriages. Yeah, I can't say no. Yeah. Because I'm married with a man. And then it's just destroying our uh, self-esteem. And if we don't have a self-worth, like strong enough inside of us, that usually coming from how we are, uh, how we've been raised, then it's nothing to support that damaging of of self-esteem from outside. If I get to invite any adult out there in how can we show up better for our children? And I say adult, I don't care if you're a parent or not, there is kids in your life. Yeah. Uh, as I, you know, many times as I say, you know, you could be in a grocery store and be in a conversation with your girlfriend and 
your words could affect that five years old little girl behind you that she's looking at the, what chips to choose. Yeah. Um, because we do impact children in our life. So you don't have to be a parent to have this responsibility. As an adult, we have responsibility for all children in our life. Mm-hmm. And if we get to do just one thing is to empower them that they are enough, like over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. That's going to build them, uh, you know, a, a strong self-worth, like from inside out, because life is going to happen and crappy stuff is going to happen. But if you know who you are and that you're worthy, it's easier to go through that. So I know we deviate a little bit from, from the sexual trauma, but I think it's important to see why we end up in a situation like this, mm-hmm. because... Uh, Look, not probably not everybody in the audience want to hear that, but we do create our circumstances. And I was in years of denial about it, you know, just from the victimhood, like, oh, for me, why this happened to me? Mm-hmm. And it's like I created it. Mm-hmm. I created it. So, like, really, I needed to understand and own that I contribute into manifesting, creating whatever you want to call it, that circumstance. So I could grow. Mm-hmm. So I could see myself in a mirror and say, oh my God, you let people stop all over you. Mm-hmm. And you have two options. You get to blame on them and stay there. Or you say, what else is possible? Yes. Right. And that's, that's the path that not many want to take because that's the path that takes years of healing, investing in yourself, facing your demons, forgiving everyone that ever hurt you. Um, and it's hard work, mm-hmm. but it's so damn worth it because that's what that's what freedom is hiding right there after all that. Yes. I'm so grateful for you because like that, oh, like I have, I just, I have goosebumps because I just, it's such a powerful message. And like, thank you for the courage to share that, that, that we do in fact, you know, manifest our circumstances and and contribute to the situations we end up in. And I love what you were saying because it ties directly to that worth, right? Like when we know our worth, we don't let people stomp on us or walk on us or take advantage. And, And do crappy things happen? Yes, right? Like, yes. And it is, it is an opportunity to Find, reveal in you that darkness that has gone unseen and hidden and repressed and and to surface it and to forgive it and to release it and bless it. And, and I just love that you brought that to this conversation because when we're talking about hearts unleashed, we're talking about the whole heart unleashed, not just light and love and fairy dust, right? But the darkness too and, and integrating the dark parts of us or the shadow or the insecurities or the limiting beliefs, like those have to be seen too. And so thank you for, cause I'm just so present to the totality of us as individuals and as people mm-hmm. and with and without labels, like just all of it. Right. And, and what people might call us, but what we might call ourselves and what we'd like to be. And so I'm just so present to the wholeness of it all. So thank you for that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And, and look, I like that you say that, uh, you know, like with all, the whole, um, heart, like fully open. And I'm pleased to see that the the current trend is like just to be vulnerable and open and sharing and sincere. And 
uh, it's powerful and it's beautiful. And if may I share, just after publishing this book, like I never been so visible ever in my life. Mm. And an interesting phenomenon happened <laughs> is, okay, so my stories are there for the whole world to read, right? And I'm perfectly okay with that. And in the same time, is this um, craving of privacy. But in a space of, I see, I don't even have the words because it's so new to me, like talking about going through changes and, and sh- 